Hey everybody and welcome to the Sunny 16 podcast. My name's Aid, and we have a great show for you this week, uh, including all the sunbeams and a special guest and uh, and even a coherent topic to talk about, would you believe it? <laughs> oh, I think we can hear Rach giggling now. Sorry, do? I was no, just no, 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 don't apologise, Rach. <laughs> it's good that we all get together and have fun to do these things. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. I can't believe we're at show 172. How the heck did that happen? I uh, it, it's taken a while. It's one of those things. <laughs> it's, it's one of those things. Sometimes it feels like it's come out at you overnight, and another times it's like, oh, that's a lot of shows. We've been going a long time, three and a half years nearly, I think. But there you go. No, gosh, how is it? Don't understand. Yeah. So I'm here today, and we've also got obviously our other sunbeam, Graham. Hi, Graham. <laughs> yep, yeah, I'm here in person, in spirit, if not in, I don't know, uh, mind. I can't remember now. In trousers? <laughs> uh, oh, I, damn it, I knew there was something I was missing this evening, and it was trousers. Oh, well. It's keeping me cool. Yeah? Keeping, Are you sure? Keeping cool? <laughs> yeah, no, just before we hit the big red record button there, you weren't sounding particularly cool. <laughs> I'm always cool, Ed, you know me. If if by and cool you mean incredibly intense, <laughs> yeah yeah, <laughs> right okay yeah for 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 a narrow definition of cool yeah uh huh my definition <laughs> okay back to Rach um Rach yes hello you, you have organised for us a super special guest this week so um why why don't you take the honour of making the introductions for everybody. I have, I have. Um, so we'll take us swiftly away from the chaos that has been the beginning of the show today and introduce uh, the lovely Leah Elm, who I've worked with uh, on a few occasions, actually. Um, she's a uh, photography and literature and museum-esque extraordinaire and uh, a, a wonderful person and human being uh, all round as well. So you can find Leah on Twitter. She's all things Ella. And on Instagram, she's Leah Elm Photography. Hello, Leah. It's lovely to speak to you today. And thanks for having me. <laughs> it's really nice, lovely introduction as well. <laughs> um, it's super lovely to have you here today. Um, obviously, we uh, we met actually probably about 18 months ago or so, I guess, yes, online. Um, the wonders of uh, social media brought us together and a love of analogue photography. Um, yes. And I think originally we kind of connected over one of your uh, first um, projects that you'd kind of attempted with analog is that right yes I think it was yeah because it was like my second role of film I think um, that we connected over when I wrote a blog post about them like the pictures mm-hmm. that came back uh, so it was really early on in sort of my my film photography um, journey if I can call it that <laughs> yeah yeah, definitely, definitely. And um, it was actually something that it was lovely to see how that sort of like progressed over time. And you ended up um, actually putting that in, submitting that, didn't you, to Killian at Let's Explore yes. and now have published yeah. work, which is awesome. Yes, which is actually both as a writer and as a photographer, that was the first thing I ever had in print, which is really amazing. <laughs> Um, so, Leah, tell us a little bit about yourself for those who who haven't had the opportunity of meeting you in person. Obviously, you met Graham and Aid in person at the photography show this year, and were there helping me um, with uh, the with the sort of like pop up demonstration and, and presentation that we were doing there um, around Anna Atkins and cyanotypes and what have you. And um, you work a lot with that, but. 
tell us a little bit about how you kind of like came to it in the first place um because obviously you have come to come to England from uh from from elsewhere do you want to tell us about that yeah so um like you said I'm originally from Denmark um and I think I was about I was doing my A-levels and I remember going on this school trip and really liking the pictures that I took with a really bad very awful digital camera um and immediately when I got home, I told my dad, I want a proper digital camera. And that's kind of when the whole photography thing started. Um, but I just did it as a hobby, didn't think much of it. And then I moved to London and I think I took pictures almost every single day with that camera because it was a way for me to explore the city mm. um, and kind of explore where I was in the city as well and my memories of the place. Um, and then I did that for quite a long time until a friend showed me her Fujifilm Instax mini camera and I just fell in love with it and thought, that's brilliant. You can actually take your memories and make a physical photograph straight away um, and like imprint that forever. And I walked around wanting one of those cameras for a little bit. And then my boyfriend got me an old refurbished um, Polaroid Spectra camera. And that's kind of how I started um, on film. Fantastic. And um, so you've basically been doing that for for how long now? It's been been a few years, I guess. Yeah. Well, I think, yeah, so the film photography must have been in the last sort of four years, yeah. um, three years maybe even. Yeah. And the whole photography thing is probably more like 12 years in total. Um, and one of the, well, as Aid sort of like mentioned at the top of the show, what we were thinking of talking about today really is, as you mentioned, a topic sort of title. Um, Aid, in his wisdom, was like, oh, I've got all these ideas with various different questions for us to to discuss. And we thought we'd sort of talk about the idea of focus versus experimentation which I think is a really interesting um, kind of angle to look at Um, and the idea of which delivers better work from your perspective Leah because obviously you kind of came to analogue through experimentation I guess is that how you normally approach photography or do you do you tend to focus first on a particular subject? deeply focused normally um okay. I'm a huge perfectionist and I'm also mm. terrified of making mistakes or making failures um so I I used to really like digital because it was it wasn't you know definite that you wouldn't fail on what you were doing but you often you could see what you were doing and kind of change and adapt while you were doing it um so when I started with my Polaroid uh spectra camera which was refurbished it was um at the time that it was impossible project film that i was using uh and it was i think not in the early stages but sort of middle stages so they were still making a lot of changes to their film which meant that i constantly had to kind of adapt how i was using it and learning as i went along um and i did have a lot of failures but also had some really magical pictures that made me think, oh, actually, maybe this going around not knowing what you're doing can sometimes be kind of cool. Um, and also just to sort of like em- embrace film photography, I think you have to also embrace the fact that you you might not make perfect images the way you think something should be perfect. Like 
the right amount of pixels or sharpness or um so this experimentation definitely came later for me absolutely mm. it's yeah it's interesting like with you being somebody who's is usually very very focused and all about perfection I can imagine that that must must have been quite a sort of difficult journey almost to kind of it go was. from that to no it really art. was like I was like each time I had uh, a Polaroid picture that didn't come out the way I had seen it I would get so upset until I learned that it would never show me what I saw um, because the camera was very different from the digital one I used to use uh, and because I did film chemistry you know which was something I was using for the first time except for cyanotypes actually which I did a little bit before um, but it was almost my first experience with, with film chemistry and I kind of just very quickly had to change my mindset about how I see the way I work. So I used to think that you couldn't start something until you knew exactly where you were going with it and how it would look when it was over. Um, so it was very set sort of boundaries that I gave myself. And then I had to abandon those kind of limitations with film photography because you will you will just be really upset every time you get a bad picture, I think. Um, so I really had to sort of come to grasp with that, I think, more than anything else with film photography. We were talking actually just before um, we started recording as well uh, about uh, Henry Fox Talbot. And yeah. Um, yeah, do you want to tell me, uh, just just tell Aid perhaps, because he wasn't there as part of that he conversation. Was there what, listen, yeah, but yeah. basically I was, um, I took this university course on book history and they told us about The Pencil of Nature, which is Henry Fox Talbot's uh, book where he was showing the first photographs that he took when he was inventing uh, English photography or photography in general, according to who you ask. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's <laughs> a hot topic, he, that one. Good, yeah, well dodged. Yeah. Um, but in his foreword, like the introduction to the book that we were showing this Fazemirov, he was talking about how many times he got it wrong, basically, when he tried to invent photography. And he was writing about this whole process of sitting by a lake, wanting to capture what was there and just not having the drawing skills to do it, um, which I can really relate to because I can't draw. Yeah, <laughs> me too, well me too. Um, so he wanted to find a way to preserve an image permanently without having to draw it. And he kept changing his chemicals, his solutions, the time that he was uh, exposing for and he tried so many times and writing about it uh, the amount of times that he failed almost like with pride because eventually he did get where he got to which is is an image that was preserved much more so than the daguerreotypes actually um, but he really had to fail a lot to get to that point um, and I think that was an eye-opener for me that um, if he had given up at any stage earlier than where he gave up, there would have been no English photography uh, or no silver photography for a very long time, I think. That's a really interesting point, isn't it? Because, you know, you mentioned as well that one of your early experiences with film photography was with instant you know, with film. Yes. And, and that is, um, you know, anybody that's listened to this show for any length of time at all has heard me curse the, uh, yeah, my the, the lack of control I get with my instant cameras. Lack and... of control, <laughs> I know. <laughs> and and I'm not a perfectionist. In fact, I'm a complete cowboy. But I do like to be in control. 
<laughs> so yeah. I'm sort of yeah I, I I'm not um I'm not the I, I'm not the sort of person who has the strength to keep doing things again and again and again till I get them right um I I try two or three times and then if it doesn't work I'll just walk away and leave it and say well that one's not that that one's not for me it wasn't 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 supposed to happen <laughs> yeah no I'm the same you know if you have too many failures or too many times where it doesn't go you think oh maybe it wasn't meant to be or what if Talbot has thought that way you know that's kind of a scary thing I think it it, Uh, it is it is that's that's why he lived in the big house and I don't (laughs) know because yeah he had that enormous house in the countryside didn't he and stuff Uh, so so he had a lot of time on his hands I think as well so well done well done him for persevering but I bet he didn't have to rush to record a podcast after looking after two young children (laughs) no well he he invented the whole idea he was also on a holiday at a lake so he had he had time to think about these things I think in a way (laughs) yes yes it's funny that you said perseverance actually as well because that was the title of the uh, publication that ended up being in wasn't it Liam no, it was. Um, it has taught me a lot about persevering, I think, to kind of, um, because like um, I mentioned that as well, both in the in the article and also the blog post that we kind of bonded over, was that uh, it was my second roll of uh, 35 mil uh, film rolls. Um, so only the second time or the second roll I'd ever used, except for my childhood. And... I was just ready to give it up already and thought, okay, film photography is just not for me. Um, it's kind of expensive. And I just felt like I didn't have control and knew what I was doing. I felt, I felt really uncertain. And rather than being like Torbert who says, okay, I don't know what I'm doing. So I'm just going to keep trying until I do know. Um, I felt like almost giving up already and just going back to digital. But I'm really glad that I didn't. That's um, it. It's in, yeah. interesting stuff because you know if we go back to this, you know, our our topic for this evening, if you like, being you know, uh, you know focus versus experimentation. You know, actually, what you've got there is is a strong message in support of of continued focus on experimentation. <laughs> no, <laughs> it's kind I of think a bit of both, really isn't it? Not what I do, yeah. It's, uh, so, 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 you know, I, I think uh, when I considered that that might there might be a, a great conversation for us to have around the differences between experimentation and focus and how that fits one individual or, or another individual uh, and, and how people get to, to a place where they're producing what they think is their good work. Um, yeah, I, I had thought that maybe that, you know, focus and experimentation might be a spectrum and you could be on a sliding one, scale yeah yeah you could be you could be at a point on a, on a spectrum between focus and experimentation and 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 but actually possibly it's it it's it's a, a good thing to do both <laughs> yeah no i would say i would say i definitely do both as well i think i'm i am still a perfectionist um but i think i'm much more willing to experiment than i have ever been before to and experiment to get to the perfection. <laughs> no, exactly. Um, to get it right. So you just keep going. And if it goes wrong, you think, okay, what did I do wrong? Um, is what I do as well. Like me and my boyfriend, we've been trying to teach ourselves how to develop like a microfilm at home. Uh, and it has gone wrong sometimes. Um, mostly like in the beginning with scratches and that kind of thing. But every time I came across something, I would go on Twitter and say, hey, guys, does anyone know where this might have happened? Um, and instead of sort of like saying, I'm never going to do dark room developing ever again, 
I just want to learn from it. And each time I make a scratch or something else goes wrong, I just want to understand why. And then maybe next time I can make a scratch if I want to deliberately because I have learned how to make that. Um, so you can kind of take failures as a as a way to become more technically efficient as well, I think, uh, by experimenting um, and getting it, getting perfectionism that way or results or control that you talked about before as well. In terms of a project and when you're kind of like approaching that, uh, Leah, do you, um, how do you find you approach that now? Do you, do you approach it with a very focused idea in mind or, or have you found since starting to work with analog that you are more um, experimental in your approach and just try and take things of, uh, take photos of things that interest you and without a really sort of like defined um sort of focus in mind I think I, th I think I was very focused in the beginning and like I wanted to learn specific things um to then do or create specific images and now I feel like I'm much more free to kind of see where it takes me if something isn't how I thought it was going to be um I took some pictures in Copenhagen for example uh in the suburban town where I grew up and for some reason, and even Ilfit uh, wasn't really sure what had happened, something happened to the images when I developed them. And there was these ghostly sort of formations all over the film. Mm. Um, and I think... Were they just ghosts? Like, <laughs> you really wanted to go back and sort of create those pictures and then kind of just learn from the mistake that I had made or try and redo it the way I'd originally seen it. But another part of me almost saw that if I turned into something else and let let my earlier vision go and let it be that new thing, which was these ghostly images, which actually fit really well with my idea of taking pictures of a place that I had left and was now a ghost town to me in my mind, even if it still existed, um, because places change and you change. So even if you go back, it's not quite the same. So they almost fit better, these ghostly apparitions, more than the original very sharp images that um, I originally thought about, I think. Mm, interesting and kind of spooky as well. <laughs> it was kind of spooky, yeah. <laughs> but but I, I'm, I'm looking at the images right now uh, on your website and, and they yeah. are they really do fit what it is that you've written about uh, and, and the aim that you've written that you had in, in taking the photos and exploring your old hometown. So it's... Uh, uh, that that that's a, a an interesting bit. So that so that that sounds to me like the, the you know that 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 was quite a focused piece of work that you wanted to to do there to do, to go back absolutely. and capture that. Yeah, it's something I've been wanting to do for uh, at that point it was five years. So ever since I left Denmark, I meant to go back and just never really did it. Um, so it's been a you know an idea I've really elaborated on. I even have notes in a notebook which I don't normally do for photography. Um, so it was definitely like a fully formed vision or idea that I had. But then when it came out different, it was just really perfect for the topic, I think, uh, or the subject I was trying to, to capture. So I kind of just let it go at that and let it be what it ended up being. Mm, yeah yes it's uh, it's so I, I think I, I I'm trying to think if I've got a, a similar thing in in my photographic history where i i've tried to 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 document something or you know for for 
uh, history or for for my own memories or, or whatever it might be and I'm, I'm struggling actually I'm not sure that I've ever done an exercise like that maybe what I found was interesting was um the fact that you a do you always talk about how you use photography as a tool because you can't draw and that sounds like very similar to what Leah was saying that yes. actually yeah. using that photography photographic tool to create that image is is your way of focusing that down yeah. that it's that it's some way of capturing that moment um instead and that that works better um graham do you have any thoughts on focus versus experimentation because i find it interesting almost like leah and aid kind of come to it more from that sort of like focus um sort of approach whereas i feel like perhaps you and i are more like experiment see what happens and, and it doesn't matter if it all messes up you know and, and what have you so perhaps we're we're kind of like coming at it from two two different ends of the of the spectrum, as you mentioned. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I think it's not just about. I think it's um, it's the. I think in an ideal world, you go through phases or a period of both, depending on what you're trying to achieve. Because I think without experimentation, you can't really learn. I think you know, learning learning through failure, best way to learn. Um, and an experimentation is the real good shortcut to failure. Um, and so I think it, you can do it like, by experimenting with things you get a, if, and, and seeing what works and what doesn't work. You can get a, a real insight into things in a way that you can't if you um, if, if everything goes very well the first time. And then and I think but I, I do think that if you're just constantly experimenting, um, and constantly trying new things, then the problem with that is that techniques or ideas or things that you may have found along the way of exploring don't, um, not, of, of um, experimenting rather, don't get explored fully. And I think this is this is a trap mm -hmm. that I can fall into. Mm -hmm. um, it, it, that I will try something and or muck around with something and do it once and get to a point with it. And go, oh, okay. I managed to get to a degree of whatever it is, success or fail, that has filled that interest in my mind for the time being. Um, but then I'm not doing what I should do. Is go, okay. Well, now I know how this works or could work. Let me go and try and apply it to something like you know, Leah and Aid were talking about, like a more focused project, or again going and actually creating work with it. Um, so I think in an ideal world the you, you want to use both kind of in turn or in concert to push yourself forward because i i do think that f um failing is the most important thing you can do uh, in any because if you're not failing frequently then you are you're, the stuff you're doing probably is not very interesting <laughs> for, for either you or for anybody <laughs> else hard enough as well sometimes i think because um, I used to be really scared of failing until I realised that sometimes failing is not having tried at all or not mm. having tried hard enough at something it's... to get to that point where there is something at stake and it could just lead to a dead end. Yeah, and it's hard because you talk to a lot of people or not, but you certainly talk to people. I've had conversations with people who, um, you know, say, you know, I've taken these pictures and they're not all great and, you know, and, and it can really get to them because they they look at, 
the world that people portray through their um, online sharing and you just see, oh, I've taken this great picture and that great picture and so on and so forth. And so you get this idea in your head of, oh, these people are all just taking great pictures all the time and, and I've just messed up half a roll of film. And and so this leads to a feedback loop of, oh, no, I, I, I every picture has to be a good picture, um, which is uh, the worst. That's the most toxic thing ever um, because otherwise you, you, you don't ever you don't ever push yourself. So, um, you know, I, mm. I think it's really important to embrace failure <laughs> in a big way. And it's a time and a place thing as well. Obviously, if mm. you're, if you're going to go and do something, if you're, if you're doing it for um, a paid gig, or maybe it's something you've got limited options, an opportunity to come back and do again, then that's not the time to go and, throw a load of new ideas into the hat and see what comes <laughs> this out. Sounds like like, this, is yeah. like this, is, this is so ridiculous, me, isn't it, Graham? It really is. Yeah, I, mean, I do. No, no, I know. In, in the nicest possible way. But I do have a tendency to do that. Like, for example, when I'm going, oh, so I tried this. And you're like, really, Rach? Like right now in the middle of this <laughs> <laughs> very important project that you need to get finished? And I've just gone, I'll just whack in a paper I've never tried before or, or a new different chemical because I want to have a go and see what happens. And you're like, maybe that's not the right time. <laughs> so I yeah. suppose it's about prioritising that. But yeah, you're absolutely right. It's the time and the place thing. Isn't it? And you know when you're doing it, you know you know far better than I ever would how important is it that this singular image works or not. Um, I, I think I mentioned recently that I um, had uh, Rory come over to develop his first yes, role of 120 right. film. Yeah. Yeah. And, the, and this was the first time he'd shot with a Holger. So there was a lot of um, new things happening with this. And so he had adopted the quite sensible approach of, I'm just going to go out and take some pictures and not worry about it. I'm not going to go and take pictures of people or this protest march or whatever. It's just going to be oh, a few random things. And it does doesn't matter yeah. if at some point along the line it all gets messed up and which is good because for one thing <laughs> the camera was set to bulb mode um there we go for, yeah for, <laughs> for another thing um he really struggled getting that first roll of 120 on because it's not easy and, and and then i proceeded to drop it on the floor before it got on there <laughs> so there was plenty of things that went wrong but it didn't matter yeah. because he'd gone into going well this is the experiment role this is <laughs> I'm not going to worry about the images. Um, I'm going to go and take them and try it out. Um, and then I won't be panicking if it doesn't all turn out well. Sure. Yeah. But, you know, you wouldn't yeah. want to go and shoot a model um, with yeah. that and then oh, have that. Yeah. So I think no, that's no, a, it's a good point well made, Graham, is that yeah. you, know, you don't always have to be in the one space, do you? And I think this is... This is something that gets me time and time again. There are times when I, I just want to do one thing and uh, I know and everybody and you know, because you've been you've been hanging around with me for long enough. You guys know that actually I never stick at one thing for any particular length of time. <laughs> you know, I'll talk to you one week about oh, it's all about Instax film and the next week it'll all be about medium format and stuff like that. <laughs> you know, you're flighty. <laughs> I, I am i am and so but but, but am i experimenting um um i don't think i am experimenting as such i think because I, i'm just being flighty and having new experiences the number of times i've bought a new camera and said i'm i'm not buying a camera i'm buying an experience and if i don't like the experience i'll get rid of the camera and actually sometimes i do um uh, these days i don't buy so many cameras but 
yeah it's yeah it it's i think i i do i do like to experience things whether or not mm. I'm, whether or not i'm experimenting yeah, was, i don't think i am but it's interesting sorry leah no, I was saying, you know, I see that as a kind of experimenting as well because mm. you are kind of taking risks with the kind of cameras you might be buying or trying out, um, you know, different kinds of, you know, just settings or lenses or whatever it is that you're trying to do. And I think that for me in the past, I was very comfortable with what I knew, so I didn't want to try something new that I just, like, when I first used my dad's old film camera, for example, I didn't know how to do the settings and it terrified me. Uh, but you just kind of learn as you go along. And it moved very quickly from I have no idea what to do to actually I know how to put a full roll of film into a camera. I know how to do the settings. I know how the settings kind of correlate to one another. Uh, so it's not a digital camera doing it for me. And I know how to take the roll out as well. And I think... Yeah. Um, I think if you try more and more cameras, each time you will learn something that will take you take you a bit further away from that initial point that you were mm. at. So I definitely think that is experimenting as well. Uh, that's oh, a, yeah, okay, yeah. that's that that is interesting because I and you and you mentioned risk there as well because um, yeah, that, that sometimes that trying those new things can can be a risk. And I'm tra- yeah. I'm trying to think is that because I I think. I think I I experience it differently in a way. Um, I think I experience a lot of the things that you've just described, but I also think that it's not. I don't consider it to be a risk. Yeah. Uh, I, because because for me a risk is a risk is a situation where you have something to lose, and uh, that might be a very literal definition of the word risk. But there is a you know so something something bad might happen. And and actually, when I go into those situations, I don't think that something bad will happen. I think that, you know, even if even if it, uh, I take more of a, a sort of scientific method approach is that if I, if, if I do something and it doesn't work, then the, the, the experiment itself is still a is still a success. <laughs> yeah. Mm. The, the outcome yeah. may not be quite what I was expecting, <laughs> but the experiment no, no, itself is a success. You, you did those things. Yeah. And you tried them. Yes. I think there's this this feeling that when we talk about experimentation that you need to be doing something crazy or a you know, mm. breaking yeah. you out. I mean, and experimentation can be as oh I've got a new camera or um, I, I'm going to try a new focal length. I, I'm really comfortable shooting with 50 millimeters. I yeah. shoot all the time with 50 mil, but I feel like I'm taking the same pictures all the time. Um, so I'm going to try a wider angle lens and th- that will be the experiment. And, mm. and again, you, you go into going, well, okay, I'm going to, I'm just going to put some rolls through and just see how it works, see how I get on with it. And, um, and, and use it to try different ideas and, and so, and, but use the early time with that to just throw everything at the wall Um not try and make great images don't you know yeah. don't try and ex- don't expect everything to suddenly be fantastic right from the get-go when you try something new use those early times when you're trying anything new to just experiment with everything you know i think that's yeah. you're right that there's it, for everybody individually there's a different comfort zone isn't there there's a different level of what it means to experiment um, mm. and, and where where that falls you know if, if you're happy doing that I'm just thinking about aid with you talking about that and and your aversion in, in a way to medium format um shooting through a TLR shall we say um I it's the TLR TLRs. experience I which you hate TLRs. right 
but, yeah. and you but, hate rangefinders. <laughs> sure, yeah. But that's what I mean. Like that is massively out of your comfort zone, and would be quite far into the like experimenting. But because you're not enjoy, because you're not enjoying the experience. But is it because you've given it enough time to do that? Have you gone through enough of those failures? to get to the point where you go, yeah, okay. I don't know. I was just thinking about Henry Fox Tolbert and the hundreds and hundreds of times he tried to make this work and it didn't work and then he got it and then it did work and it was like, great. The thing with that, though, is that, uh, and I'm going to I'm going to put, perhaps put words into Aid's mouth, is that okay. the problem yeah. with Aid and TLRs is he just doesn't like using them. Mm-hmm. So it's not about, oh, the end the result is disappointing. It's that yeah. the experience of doing this. I mean, and that's the other thing is like there's no point – experimenting with something if you're just hating the experience of doing it mm-hmm. um experimenting to see what the results are like and getting and failing in results is one thing but if you if you try something and just go i didn't enjoy that at all then so, that stop so, it. so let, let's go back to that bit where rachel was saying that you know one of the reasons i do photography is because i can't draw Right. So, and and Rachel is absolutely to be fair, correct. You said that. Yeah, no, 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 <laughs> but, but no. Yeah, you're, you're, you're just you're I'm just quoting me. Saying. But but you're but you're absolutely correct. So, what happens to me when I pick up a camera that I I find I'm looking for a camera that is and and this is also this is a quote. These are, sadly these are not my words, but I'm looking for the 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 fastest way to get from the thing that's in my head to an image. I'm looking for it to be seamless and and easy at the mechanical level so I can focus on the creative thing. What Mm. happens when I pick up a TLR is that it's everything is the wrong way round, right? So I can't, I, I find it difficult I to compose that. because it's because of, of the mirrored the view. And every time I try and correct the composition, I move my hands in the wrong direction. So it gets further away from what I want to ha- capture. So, you know, it's, yeah, I, I, and a lot of that I am sure can be uh, resolved with practice and muscle memory. Um, but the experience of dealing with the hardware at that point just puts me off. Um, range rangefinders are, are similar um, for me. It, I have that rangefinders too. Yeah. Um, I, I I just like to because um, uh, I I I find it distracting to have to make the two images sit one on top of the other nice and neatly. Um, uh, I, I'd rather just you know it, it, to the point where all of my film cameras um, have uh, focus. Uh, screens without any split prisms or anything like that i had one of my nikons had a focus screen with a split split prism and i had it taken out um because i find even that which is which is a device to help you nail focus it was spoiling my actual photographs because i was spending too much of my effort trying to nail focus on the thing that on this tiny little (laughs) patch in the middle and i wasn't actually taking i wasn't actually capturing the image i wanted to capture but I think this is one of the things that, again, experimentation and trying different things can help because um, I think the problems can occur uh, or the frustrations can occur when you're trying something that is different from what you're used to, whether it's SLRs and rangefinders or you know different lenses or whatever it might be. Um, and your first instinct is this is not working as easily and as seamlessly as what I've used before, which is, of course, true. I mean, you're, you're, you're trying something new. Um um, but differentiating it's, isn't it between the two whether it's the frustration because it's that or whether it's that actually a change of mindset like leah was talking about would actually solve that problem well and, i think it's, yeah, but you it's have spending to enjoy enough it, i think uh as well yeah. like what i was talking about you know if mm-hmm. you're like when i was first starting out with cyanotypes i was enjoying the whole process from mm-hmm. start to finish 
whether or not there was an actual image coming out of them that I liked. Mm. Um, and when I tried a rangefinder, for example, because I wanted to try a medium format, I really wasn't enjoying setting the camera up. One, mm. it was frustrating because it was very different from uh, my normal 35mm cameras, but um, I think I just didn't like the way it was set up it, because it it really sort of distracted me uh, from the picture or the image that I had in mind or wanted to capture. Um, so that issue so that like, Aid had, yeah. Yeah, yeah it happens. sounds very similar. But if you don't actually enjoy that whole learning process of getting to know the camera, like mm. I did with my dance film camera, for example, uh, which I really did enjoy, even though I knew nothing about how it worked, um, I kind of just stopped working with the rangefinder and I haven't touched it since my one and only role because I just don't think it's for me. Mm. Yeah, but I, I but I do think uh, that this is you. Sometimes you have to think. Okay, have I spent enough time with this? Have I got past the point where I'm trying to use this tool, like I used the last tool, and got to the point where okay, I'm actually trying to use this on its own terms now. If somebody had given you a rangefinder first instead of you know your dad's old camera. Yeah. Yeah. Would you have gotten on with it? And it's sometimes, again, this can apply to a whole range of things. It can apply to different film types, different lens lens types, all this. You have to get to a point where you're approaching them on their terms and looking at what they can do for you rather than what they can't do for you. Um, and I think sometimes that's just a matter of, you know, persevering. <laughs> persevering <laughs> if you think, it's, you know, um, but, you know, obviously that's you have to decide whether or not it's worth the effort and whether whether the potential end result is worth it to you. But, I mean, it's been really interesting. Um, I think one of, the, one of the reasons we wanted to talk about this this week was because it, it's been fantastic seeing a number of people online on, um, on Instagram and on Twitter mm -hmm. talking this week about um, their experiments and their ideas yeah. uh, ongoing. Oh, yeah about about the assignment idea yeah um, yeah I've, I've got one here actually um um from dave the walker 80 on uh instagram uh lovely dave walker who'd who'd actually written to say um uh basically don't you just hate it when a challenge really gets under your skin and dominates your thoughts for days no me neither i love it <laughs> <laughs> um these are the first tentative steps um towards a working proof of concept for the Sunny 16 podcast day into night project. Chances of it turning into a fully working camera that actually takes a day into night image are about 10% at the moment. <laughs> but I've learned a huge amount already and I love learning things, particularly when I get to make stuff too. Um, he says, um, current thinking involves a flat Fresnel lens, a 45 degree slit mirror and a rotating mount with a curved paper negative. There you go. So uh, it's lovely. That's kind of what you're um, going towards, isn't it? I think, Graham, with, you know, seeing these kind of things coming up and how that links to this idea of focus and experimentation. Like he was saying, 10% maybe chance he's giving it at the moment of it actually creating an image. But yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and obviously, you know, these cameras that people are making or trying to make, perhaps more accurately, is, you know, they're a very different thing. So, you you are you have to approach what the subject matter and what you're going to take a picture of in a completely different way because it's not even close to being similar to how you're going to approach your normal photography, um, and the chance of success is really slim. I, I was. Um, 
we I've seen um, Alex Purcell has been making a camera this week. I think I talked about it briefly mm. on backing paper and he shared a picture with me on Monday of sort of this partial image. He said, okay, that was a bit of a not for failed first step. And then he sent another image to me yesterday and the caption was, I'm getting there. And I looked at the two pictures and I went, um, they look pretty much exactly the same to me. <laughs> <laughs> it's a real baby step. But even if the end result isn't, even if like the, the idea that he's trying to work towards it cannot be completed, there's there's so much opportunity to learn through that um, with the interaction with the materials and with the that you're going to get something from it regardless. Um, there's you know I don't think any of these experiments are ever completely fruitless, even if the thing ultimately you're trying to do is a failure. You know if you decide that you want to you're you're always shooting 50 mil um, and you want to try and get out of your comfort zone and you go okay well, I'm going to try 28 mil for a while and ultimately you go no it's just not for me. But I guarantee you that if you spend a few rolls worth of time with 28 millimeter it will change the way that you look at things which will improve and inform stuff when you go back to your more comfortable 50 millimeter there's mm. there's never no yeah. gain to any of this stuff i think that uh, crucial word there is inform actually because it, it's as important to know what you don't enjoy as what you do isn't it as well and and um informing yourself as to by experimenting, by changing and pushing yourself out of the comfort zone, whether that be lenses or cameras or or medium, shall we say, you know, um, it's all going to inform um, your stylistic choice and your, um, you know, how, your your photographic voice almost, I suppose. Mm. I, I think you're, I think that's a good way of putting it, Rach. I think inf- yes, because you you learn from these things, and even if you learn that that's not for you, and and I have, and and because there's a couple of things going through my mind right now. One is that I've been doing photography for a little while now. I'm not a lifetime photographer. I, I came to it quite late. I was in my thirties, I think. Yes, in my thirties. So it's not something that I was born into, as it were. But I've still been doing it for quite a long time now and I've done some of this stuff and some of my choices that may sound like um, very conservative choices now or that I'm not experimenting. Actually, I've come to those through a body of experience that that has led me to know that actually I try X and I, I don't, you know, I've I tried, uh, let's say I, I don't really like 28 mil, but I love 24 mil, right? That, that I, I know that about me through having tried. Right? Mm. But but that I don't feel the need to experiment with twenty eight mil anymore because been there done that and 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 so the you know I think uh, uh, equally I'm really really glad that I tried a TLR and I'm really really glad that I've tried rangefinders. Um, my conclusion is that they're much better cameras for other people, <laughs> not me, not me. <laughs> um, but that's that's okay, right? Um, you know, uh, other people love them, you know, um, uh, and and that's brilliant. Um, uh and ge- genuinely i'm i'm very pleased for them if I, you know and and i'm very pleased that i've had a chance to try those types of cameras and 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 been able to form some kind of opinion of them uh based based around me not as opposed to the things uh, you know in, in and of themselves um you know i might say bad things about tlrs but i don't really mean <laughs> the bad things about tlrs what i mean is that i i they don't work for me yeah, I think another good thing to think about if you are if you want to experiment with stuff or if you're of that nature is um, the best way to experiment is only experiment 
with one variable at a time. Um, yeah, it's a good scientific approach, definitely. Yeah, because at the moment, um, I've just finished today shooting a roll of film. So um, the camera. So okay, well let's let's work this backwards. So last year, uh, Linda. Linen cameras gave me this uh, Nikon lens. Um, he said, "Oh, uh, give this a go. You might find the results um, interesting." And I have no idea. This is the first time I've shot with it, so I have no idea what's happened to this lens. It, the front of it's pretty scuffed up, but I think the insides might also be a little askew. We'll find out. So I've already got that variable to try out. Um, I'm also using a camera body I've never used before because I didn't have a Nikon body. So Alex Purcell very kindly gave me a body. Great. And I'm also trying a film I've never tried before because <laughs> I got given by my secret, most of Secret Santa last year, gave me a roll of Psych Blues. I thought, oh, you know, I, I wanted some colour film. I thought, I'm going to give this a go. So, Psych Blue? What's that? Psych Blue, yeah. It's um, uh, a colour shift film from a guy over in the States. Um, um, <laughs> so anyway, so I've got these three variables. Uh, and the first thing I learn is, oh, this lens does not talk to this camera at all. Um, so that I'm sounds now, great. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's fantastic. So I now... I'm working on the assumption, having spoken to people to begin with when I was shooting, I thought, okay, well, the light meter isn't responding when they close down the aperture, but I'm just going to assume that it is actually closing the aperture when I take the picture. Uh, and I'll, I'll work out the aperture in my, the um, exposure in my head. But having spoken to um, the guys over at the Classic Lenses podcast and a few others, they've gone, no, you idiot, this is a pre-AI lens and it won't work on a non, uh, on a, an AI body. I'm like, oh, so... I finished the rest of the role just assuming that it's going to be shooting everything wide open and going from there. Um, so, you know, when I get what what that role of film is going to be like when it comes back is anyone's guess. But the exposures are likely to be all over the map. I'm not going to be able to judge how good the colour shift stuff is because of the aforementioned messed up exposures. And um, and as for what qualities the lens has, well, I mean, that's just another thing. So I'll... You know, it's unlikely I'm going to learn a great deal about anything from this role because there were just <laughs> too many variables at play in it. But are you having fun? Oh, yeah, I'm having fun. Well, there I you go, then. <laughs> yes, the Nikon F301, which is the, the camera, Alex, I, I really like that camera because it's, it's occupying a rare sweet spot between um, old and new. So it's uh, it doesn't have a wind-on lever, um, but... It does have a wind back lever. Um, you know, it's that just like that. It's in. It's the um, missing link between the, the <laughs> manual cameras and the automated ca SLRs, and it makes a great noise. And um, uh, yeah, and I, I really like it. So um, I will be. I might. I might actually be looking to buy another Nikon lens to go on that because I did enjoy using that. Um, so that was that oh, was. Give good. me a, give me a shout. I can lend you one anyway to go on. That. Oh well, there you go. That's fantastic. So I, I tell you, um, what, I'll, I'll have a look at the specs on it. But I've got one I think you might like, which is a thirty-five mil E series lens or series E lens. That might. That, mm -hmm. I think it's something like thirty-five mil f two point five or something like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that sounds good. I only have one Nikon lens and I have no Nikon camera to put it on. <laughs> it's my dad that's the only piece of analog kit 
that survived from when he obviously had to sell all the all of his old film cameras. Uh, and the only thing that survived was the, that's not true, uh, the Metz 45 flash gun, that's his, and uh, this one Nikon lens. I think it's 50mm 1.4. It's really beautiful lens. Dad was like, don't sell that. Don't, <laughs> keep, that. keep that. All of the yeah. Nikon 50mm yeah. 1.4s are really nice. So don't, yeah. whatever you do, let but that But I don't have a camera hand. to use it on, so I'm like, hmm. Yeah, um, you never know, Rich. Stuff comes by your way. You know, stuff appears from time to time. You never yeah. know what's at some point, maybe one I'll be able to try that out. So uh, yeah, I was like, "Well, we'll have to meet up, won't we?" And I'll borrow something from Aid, and we'll give it a whirl. Sure, you, know, you borrow. You're welcome to borrow one of my cameras, definitely. That'd be experimenting for me, then, won't it? You see, that'll be an experimentation. <laughs> so, I mean, Rach and I have already uh, sort of admitted that we're kind of <laughs> serial experimenters, possibly to <laughs> our detriment. Um, but Aid and Leah, I'm it, like, what? What experiment can you see yourselves taking on next, no matter how small? Is there, is there something that you've not faffed around with, not tried out? That you think, oh, maybe, maybe I can keep that going. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, maybe it's just a very different speed of film or, um, you know. I, I do is have there a, a film role, actually. Um, so Adux Colour Implosion, uh, which was a limited edition film by Adux. I still have a few roles that are kind of bulk, but... Um, and it was announced that they weren't going to do it anymore. <laughs> and you can set the eyes out from 100 to 400. And I think from what I've seen other people do when they talk about it on their websites, you can shoot it at different box speeds um, or at different speeds, sorry, and still develop it the same way because it's meant to be experimented with. So you will get very different tones. And I normally always shoot at box speed. So it's kind of a thing that I think would be good for me to get out of my comfort zone with. Mm. Um, and because an you can do it all in one roll and still develop it the same way, I'm really interested to see how that film will mm. change the tint or the colour um, and what impact that will have on the images that I have because I won't know when I take them how much of the blue tint or how much of the red tint will actually turn up because um, I've even had that when I'm shot at that box speed at 100. I have two different sets of pictures from two different locations. And one is sort of very green and sort of blue. And the other one is is almost yellow. Um, and they were shot at the same speeds. So I really want to try and experiment with that film. And, you know, with the very few roles that I have. So, again, here's a wrist that I could just ruin the whole thing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I want to see what the difference could be by shooting it at maybe 400 instead. I was just going to mention, uh, well, ask really, because I may be wrong with this, but um, Lomography have um, released or are, are going to release the Metropolis film, aren't they, uh, Graham? Mm -hmm. And um, that had a similar idea, I think, where it's that you can shoot it at a variety of different speeds and process. Is it one that you've heard of, Leah? Uh, yes, I think I have, but um, not in depth, not the same way that I know Colin Plosion. Right. Is, is that? Am I right with that, Graham? Is that? Is that right? Is that the I, idea? I think so. I can't yeah. remember actually what so, you talking about. I think so. It might be kind of interesting to see if you shoot, you know, one of your roles of this Adox and see how that works, and then perhaps try one of these roles of Lomography, you know, Metropolis, and see again with that idea that it could be shot at different speeds and then processed. Yeah. 
yeah at the same and see what the differences are between those as well because you might find that that could be a replacement stock for for this one that obviously isn't around anymore mm. around. yeah i mean uh, i only have about five rolls left so you know mm. The experimentation I will do with them will be very limited uh, yeah. because they will run out very quickly. Well, but the thing is, if you don't know, you'll just sit on them forever and then they'll do no good to anybody. Yeah, Sometimes you I just don't have want to, to do that either. No. I want to play with them because it's a playful film. So yeah. I, I want I wanted to do something different with it that I probably wouldn't do with my usual sort of Kodak Ultramax 400 film. Well, I know it, I feel comfortable with it, but I also know exactly what I'm going to get and what I want with it. Where this is a much more sort of, oh, is this what it's going to look like? Or oh, this is what it turned out like. And I kind of so, like that. Yeah. Um, Can I ask a question? It's a bit more carefree, I think, than I normally am. It takes me away from those perfectionist ways. That's so lovely. And would it be then that in terms of what you're going to shoot subject matter wise do you think that you will approach that differently because of it being a risk and for it being a playful film and all of these things that you've mentioned do you think you'll approach the subject matter differently as well Absolutely. so for one i take locations that mean a lot to me um like for the first role of adux for example i went to this old church in kent near where i live Mm-hmm. and it was hit by a doodabog during World War II, so oh. it's just been smashed to pieces. But it's very beautiful, this ruin. Uh, and it had a lot of green colours, it had a lot of reds and sort of maroon and browns. Um, and I was told, you know, when I bought the film and kind of read up about it, that it could do really interesting things with different colours. But I also liked the idea that this film that was now sort of defunct um, would preserve a church, which is now defunct. Um so every time I choose what I want to shoot with Ada's colour implosion, I want to choose a place that does have interesting colours, maybe different from what I would normally pick, especially architectural-wise, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and also places that have a bit of need for preservation, at least to me, uh, either because they mean something to me or because they almost feel like heritage places that I want there to be a photograph of sometime um, when I'm not here anymore, maybe. Yeah. I, I will always remember um, a friend of the show, Dave, off of the forums. He came around <laughs> to my house once and to take some pictures. With, I think he was mucking around with double exposures. And he had a roll of T Max 400, let's say, in his camera. And his camera was a relatively modern um, Minolta SLR. And. <laughs> And you go, okay, oh, the shutter speed's a bit too low for this at 400 ISO. I'll just change the ISO to 800 or 1600. And he was basically just treating his camera like it was a digital camera, like you could adjust the sensitivity of the film. I'm like, yeah, you know, that, yeah and, and he's like, I'll, I'll just chuck it in Rodnell and it'll be fine. And you know what? It was. <laughs> I think we worry <laughs> so much. <laughs> um, Dave has the, the best laissez-faire attitude towards this. So what about you, Aid? Have you got anything you'd like to experiment with? Other than this podcast, you mean? <laughs> <laughs> I think that, that experiment has run and been deemed a failure. <laughs> uh, so, well, do you know what? Um, I, I've been thinking, because you know, given that you asked Leah this question first, I've been thinking what was my own answer to that. And I think actually at the moment I'm in the middle of an experiment and, and uh, it, or, or at least a, a learning challenge of, uh, of uh, getting the best out of instant film. 
mm-hmm. um, Instax particularly, because that's what I'm shooting rather than any Polaroid or anything like that. But but instant film in general, it would apply to all kinds because there there are constraints. Uh, there are constraints in the amount of control you have over the camera. There's the constraints over the the uh, relatively uh, na- narrow um, latitude uh, in the film. Uh, the dynamic range in the film is not great. Um, and so, you know, uh, uh, and I think the way that I'm experimenting is through these assignments. Um, yeah. In, in the, you know, and for me, that's the best kind of experiment because it's, it, it's, it's zeroing in on something. It's can I can I use this? this can I use these tools? Well, what are the different ways in which I can use these tools to achieve a specific outcome? So you know the this this self portrait stuff that we did was a great example. The 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 assignment for self portraiture where I took I shot three three or four different. I made three or four different shots. Um and but but the first one certainly took about eleven exposures to get right. Um and. Uh, you know that for me is is the experimentation angle and learn yeah you know, I'm learning all the time and I'm zeroing in on a, on a, an output that I'm looking to achieve so I think I'm already doing it is is my yeah. my, my cop out answer to that question no I think that's a perfectly good and I think experimenting with Instax is something you've done for as long as you've you've had Instax cameras I think um, yeah right so that's kind of opposite of being flighty really isn't it actually with that age you know that's something that you've been been plugging away at for quite a while to to get to the point where you feel like this is achieving what you want it to achieve yeah i'm a slow learner it takes me a while um, <laughs> but the but equally that that's kind of who i am as a photographer mm. either i'm doing it just to relax right mm-hmm. uh, or um i am doing it with a, a goal in mind and mm. and choices in mind now that could be um whenever i go traveling you know, fa- family traveling or other kinds of traveling i will deliberately uh, i will think it through what it is that i want to achieve photographically on that tra- on that trip and i will take the right kind of cameras and films and lights or, or whatever it might be um, and sometimes it's video you know so i'll take a digital camera and a microphone mm-hmm. and things like that you know and and so uh, and i will i will focus in on getting that outcome and so some holidays and and you you guys have challenged me on this plenty over the last few years sometimes i go away <laughs> on a trip and they, you say what cameras did you take and i say i took a digital camera and then you you spit at me and and, <laughs> and um, this is so not true it, 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 be spit yeah <laughs> um and and uh you know uh, but that that's kind of who, who in part that's who i am is that i i will i will fritter and play around and muck about and not achieve anything unless i've got an objective and then when i've got an objective i will work quite um in quite quite a, yeah quite focused quite in quite a coherent way in quite a constructive way to try and achieve that outcome yeah, that, I think that's very cool. Rach, seeing as before we get out of here, mm. I'm not going to let you get away with uh, not answering this question. So obviously experimenting, not an issue for you or I, we do far too much of sure. it. But I would like to know from you, Rach, before we finish up here, what uh, aspect of your experimentation recently are you going to focus on and stop being an experiment and actually <laughs> develop into something. What what thing that you've tried recently, or you know, uh, that you've experimented with in the past, are you going to work on to develop more into something? Um, yeah, I was going to finish with the kind of idea of actually I need to be more focused in my experimentation. So we're on the same page with that, which is great. <laughs> um, I would say 
um, different papers in the darkroom because I really have loved the accidental box of old, super old fibre paper that I came across. And um, that's something that I have wanted to do for a long time and simply just didn't have the the money to find, you know, for the sort of like specialist papers and things because they can be that bit more expensive. Um, but knowing how much I've enjoyed that experience, I think that you know it's kind of like what i hoped it would be and i can see that there's a long way to go with with improving things for for me with that and learning more about it and then hopefully being able to share that with other people too so that's probably the thing that i would like to do more of very cool see experimentation and focusing is yeah it's all fun (laughs) Yeah. Oh, 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 is, oh, is it then? Because I noticed that you haven't answered this question yet. <laughs> uh, and is that the time? Yeah. <laughs> oh, is it time to go already? Just, do, is, do, do, do you know what? But... Though? We've just got thirty seconds for you to tell us what you're going to focus on. You know, I think uh, the the thing, and I've got a fairly cop out answer for this, but the <laughs> thing that I've been experimenting with this year that I've been trying uh, to do, and you know. It is large format photography, um, and it has been the thing that I found I've come back to more and more. Uh, and I, I want to, pers- I want to persevere with that and get away from the point where it is all a bit random, and get to the point where um, I can get predictable results, and so I can use it to approach a project or, or, or an idea and have. An, an idea of what the results will be like in a more stable way so that's going to come from nailing down exactly what materials i use uh, and how i develop them and um how i'm metering more consistently there's a few things that i need to get more consistently but that's the thing where so far this year i've been having a lot of fun with it um uh, and trying lots of different things with you know different variables um but that's what i want to actually focus on and make it into something which is a more stable and reliable part of my process i think so that's my answer for that one very good that's a pretty good answer that's a pretty good i think answer. that's a good one <laughs> <laughs> okay well seeing as that we've all provided a coherent and well thought through answer to those questions it probably is time to wrap up the show <laughs> uh so well let's let's have a quick recap though uh because Leah, um have you had a good time on the show today I've had a really good time. Yes, it's been um, it's been enlightening too because I think I've had this before with Rachel. She works in a very different way than me, uh, and it always brings something new in how I approach things as well. She's kind of challenging me a little bit. So hearing how everyone is is approaching things differently, I was thinking differently, even if they use the same approach. I think has been uh, it's been really interesting cool that's great and um of course we always like to give our guests a chance to to point uh our listeners to to their various different pieces of work and what have you on the internet so where would you like our listeners to go to see your work and to to interact with you uh you could go to leahelm.com which is my website or my blog uh but if you are the kind of person who prefers a bit more of a physical thing you could also get the let's explore magazine uh, the perseverance issue where i am featured as well 
yeah i have a copy of that that's actually and it's not my only one either of uh, of let's explore so that's yeah great 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 publication i haven't spoken yeah, to killian has the whole stack for, <laughs> i haven't spoken to killian for ages actually we should we should catch up with him mm-hmm. uh, anyway okay well thank you for, thank you very much uh leah um graham and rachel any other business um, just a quick one about Emulsive Secret Santa to remind those who uh, who hadn't heard us talk about it on Back in Paper. That is open for registration until the 31st of October. Cool. OK, thank you, Graham. Uh, what she said. No, that's the only thing <laughs> what I she said. Was, uh, OK, in okay. My head. excellent. Good stuff. Well, in which case, then uh, we have been the Sunny 16 podcast. We are also on the Internet best place to start is just sunny16podcast.com because then not only do you get to enjoy things like photographs from assignments um, and cheap shots challenge from our listeners you can get to listen to the shows uh, uh, you can if you are so minded uh, follow the link to coffee.com and actually uh, say say thank you uh, financially by donating a little bit of money to keep the show going um, most importantly of all though um, you can see the cover graphics that Matthew Joseph does for our shows because they <laughs> always make me chuckle if there is one reason to actually go to the website uh, uh, as well as as listening to us and your podcast apps um go to look at those because they're awesome <laughs> <laughs> awesome subjective word but absolutely the amount of no no they strike all into my being every time <laughs> i look at them <laughs> In, in the um, biblical sense of the word or obviously in the old testament sense of the word or they are <laughs> an experience there yeah. we go. And, and one not to be missed. So everybody should go to our website, sunny16podcast.com. Uh, and, and, of course, we're on the social networks and blah, send us an email and all that jazz. Um, we <laughs> should play you out now with uh, Rachel's band, Rocker, which is definitely not jazz, is it, Rach? It's not, no, although I do enjoy jazz. Oh, well, oh yes, I do enjoy it. But, but I think we'll probably call it mariachi influence. Yeah, sort of modern mariachi rock kind yeah, of. Yeah, mariachi Spanish rock. Influence, yes. Awesome, awesome stuff. Uh, the album is called Promises I Should Have Kept. You can get that album on uh, Amazon, iTunes, uh, Spotify. Uh, Bandcamp apparently. Uh, yeah. Okay. Other, other places too, <laughs> uh, which is which is fantastic. Go listen to it uh, because the bit that we play you out with um, is only a tiny little outro of only one song on the album, and the album is great. It has <laughs> it has been an honour and a privilege to talk with you all. Um, we will be back next week. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.